Join founder of I Am a Watchman Ministries, Scott Townsend, with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View from the Wall. Welcome to today's episode of A View from the Wall. I'm Dylan Burrows with I Am a Watchman founder Scott Townsend, and we thank you for joining us today. In this episode, we have the privilege of joining best-selling author and speaker Bill Salas for part two of our series. He provides a fascinating look at the prophetic relevance of current Middle East and world events. His articles have been featured at WorldNet Daily, across various magazines, and on the web. Bill interviews prophecy experts and discusses with them today's most important end-time topics. He's also appeared on Christ and Prophecy, Revelation TV, and Jewish Voice Television. Bill Salas, it's an honor to have you with us again. Welcome to A View from the Wall. Oh, it's great to be back. Let's keep going. Let's keep talking about Bible prophecy. (laughs) I love it. Well, thanks again for being with us. We really admire you as a great researcher of Bible prophecy and listeners here at A View from the Wall, those that are just starting to experience what it's like to be a watchman. And we want to take a moment to speak to those who are new to the topic. You know, though it could even fill volumes if we desire to do so, uh, it's a tough question, but can you tell us some of the basics that every watchman should know about as we live in these last days waiting for the rapture of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. You know, God, one of the great things about God is he is outside of time. He knows the end from the beginning. We're told in Isaiah 46 verses 9 through 10, remember the former things of old for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that have not yet been done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasures. Now, that's a bold declaration to be able to say, I know the end from the beginning and to set himself apart with that capability from all the false gods. And so that's great. That authenticates his sovereignty, which is important because Bible prophecy is invaluable predictive information outsourced from this loving God that is 100% accuracy, it's foolproof, and it's intended to authenticate his sovereignty, it is intended to equip us for the days in which we live, and it can spare lives, and it can save souls. And so I just read the fact that it authenticates his sovereignty. But see, God is not just trying to show off. He wants us to have this information because he loves us and cares for us. And he wants us to know what's coming our way. And when we talk about the days in which we live, and we covered this in the last show, that we could be the final generation, the terminal generation, we're certainly living in the end times, then there's more said, biblically speaking, about Bible prophecy to our generation than any other generation that's ever lived, even at the time of Jesus Christ. You know, it would be something if people tried to talk about Bible prophecy in the 1700s or 1800s, where there wasn't a whole lot going on, just anticipating the rebirth of the nation Israel, which was long forthcoming and it happened 70 years ago, you know, 1948. But now we've got everything in play, all these unfulfilled biblical prophecies. It also talks about, you know, you can save lives. So, for instance, the perfect example is, you know, Jeremiah. He was warning the Jewish people in the southern kingdom of Judah around 596, 580 B.C. that Nebuchadnezzar was coming and they were going to go into 70 years of captivity. And those who listened to him, their lives were saved versus those who didn't. 
who were killed when Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came. Same thing with Noah. You know, he saved lives, his family lives, when he told them a flood was coming. Well, also save souls. You know, right now, we should understand that God's... So many people can come to the Lord through Bible prophecy, and I'm a prime example of that. I, I doubted God for years until I understood biblical prophecy. I was actually attending a church service from taught by a guy named Chuck Missler, who has since passed away. He's a Bible prophecy expert. He was a Bible prophecy expert. And he was teaching on the book of Revelation, and that sealed the deal for me because I really say, listen, God knows the end from the beginning. I checked the historical accounts that were foretold in the Bible that happened exactly like they said they would. And then I started realizing the world in which we live in has all these other events that the Bible is saying are going to happen that are actually state-setting right now before our very eyes. And it helps us to understand the general panorama of what's going on of events in the world from the biblical narrative and the prophetic perspective. Otherwise, you just get stuck in the secular worldview, which is turbulent, chaotic, you don't know what's coming next. And so when I do these shows and TV, radio, et cetera, these interviews, I like to give that prophetic perspective as well as talk about the secular worldview. You know, I mean, so when Fox and CNN and these channels have their analysts and their pundits on, they're all the, the viewer is always wanting to know, well, what does it mean to me? What does the future hold for me? And they can't get it from these sort, types of sources because these bless the, the hearts of these military analysts and these political pundits and whatever. They don't know the future. All they know is trends. They can make you know some speculation about the future, but we don't have to go by that. We have God's word to give us a, 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 like you guys talk about being a watchman, we can watch what's going on in the world and be prepared for it. Bill, you have a long history of studying Bible prophecy. Can you explain for our listeners who may be new to the subject, what is Bible prophecy and how is it different from fortune telling? Well, it has a proven track record. I mean, it is what was foretold would happen in many cases a fulfilled prophecy happened exactly as it was specified. You can't say that about fortune telling and that sort of thing. That is speculation and guesses. For instance, uh, Nostradamus and his Quantros. You know that stuff is so hard to understand. You know, and, and you can speculate all you want, and you can almost make any shoe fit on what he, you you think he was trying to predict. But you know, if it's not 100% accurate, you can't call it you know, a prophecy. So, and this was the test of the Old Testament prophets. In other words, to authenticate their office, they would have to tell the prophecy that would happen in their lifetime. And when that happened, it authenticated their their office as a prophet. And then, therefore, you could look forward to the things they talked about in the farther future that wouldn't happen in their lifetime and, and have credibility in that. Say, okay, these things will happen because what he said would happen in his lifetime did happen. He predicted it to the exact detail. And if they were false prophets, and there were plenty of those going around in ancient times, they would be stoned to death. So it was a critical you know, you know, uh, test of a pro- prophetic office. You know, if, if Nostradamus or uh, Jeannie Dixon or those people right now had to stand by that test, they would be stoned to death. So, you know, exactly. this is how critically important God takes Bible prophecy. You know, you, you know, at this point in time, we, we're discerning Bible prophecy, and we're trying to closely close examine 
prophecies, making sure what has been taught on them is accurate, seeing if there's anything else we need to discern, like the Elam prophecy I talked about in your prior segment. No one was talking about that prophecy in Jeremiah 49, verses 34 through 39, except a couple guys. And so I wrote a book about it, Nuclear Showdown in Iran, Revealing the Ancient Prophecy of Elam. And that's a discernment. You know, here, here people look at this prophecy, closely examine it. Don't take my word for it. You know, be a Berean, you know, which we're called to be in uh, in any kind of biblical scriptures and research and that sort of thing. In Acts 17.11, it tells us, you know, that the people of Berea says these from Berea were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So as we teach Bible prophecy, we always need to alert people, listen, don't just take our word for it, you know, be a Berean, open your Bible, see if what we're saying is, is what the Bible said would happen. Because there are conflicting views when it comes to Bible prophecy. And, uh, and unless there are one view enhances the other view, you could have five different views, but only one of them would actually be correct. And sometimes there are five different views on some of these prophecies. There's an old saying that says, when you put two Jews in a room to discuss a matter, you come up with three different opinions. Well, sometimes you put two prophecy guys in a room and you come up with five different opinions. It's kind of a, a, a humorous remark. But so you have to be careful when it comes to Bible prophecy. You know, we, we look through a glass dimly as we try to look at these things. The generation that experiences Bible prophecy will be able to say, hey, that was a biblical prophecy had found fulfillment and they will know every detail as it as it happened uh, so we do our best right now to determine what is being said about what stage sitting out there and you know some people are anointed by the lord for that uh, some of the other ones perhaps we have to caution and that's why we ask everyone to be a bible berean and that's a good word and we're going to take a quick break and be right back with bill salas right here on a view from the wall stick with us Welcome back to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan Burroughs with Scott Townsend, and we've been talking with Bill Salas about the end times. And he has this great quote that says, Bible prophecy can spare lives, and it can definitely save souls. You know, we love to hear churches preach that in the pre-rapture last days we live in now. And let me turn to you, Bill, and have you answer this question. What are some of the now and next prophecies that we see in Scripture? Right, and to qualify that from a prior show we did is that these unfulfilled prophecies that still are you know out on the books, about to roll off their parchments and find fulfillment, yes. are going to happen in stages. Some will happen at the present time. We can see they don't even have any preconditions left anymore, like the destruction of Damascus and Isaiah 17. But there are other ones that still have a few preconditions. Like, for instance, Ezekiel 38. Some of your listeners may be familiar with that. Uh, we're watching that closely because uh, part of that coalition that's going to come to invade Israel in the latter days involves Russia, Turkey, and Iran. And we're seeing that they're you know, uh, coming together and meeting, uh, several meetings uh, over the Syrian revolution, trying to discuss the future of Syria, now that that civil war is winding down. But I tell people, well, that's more like a next prophecy in my estimation, because there's some preconditions that are still in the way. Israel has to be dwelling securely in the midst of the land without walls, bars, nor gates, and yet they've got walls surrounding almost every one of their borders. As a matter of fact, Hamas and Hezbollah are trying to dig tunnels under those walls. Uh, so, you know, I, I say, look, once Israel dwells securely without walls, bars, nor gates, that, that actually that prophecy 
would then move from the next prophecy to an out prophecy. So we have these very various prophecies that will happen soon, the life-free conditions now, and then we have some that could happen subsequent to that called next. Now, the next prophecies are interesting because what happens there is that there's a likelihood that in some cases the church might not even be here for those because the now prophecy would be a pre-tribulation rapture. The church could be taken out at any given time. It's an imminent event. And then we enter into, well, what happens after the church? There's a gap that actually happens, a mysterious gap that's vastly overlooked that few people are talking about. Many people will acknowledge there's a gap, but not many people have taken time to explore what could be fitting in that gap and how long that gap could be. And when we qualify that, I call it in the next Prophecies book, I call it the post-rapture, because it happens after the rapture, pre-tribulation gap, because it happens before the tribulation. Tribulation, seven-year tribulation period, also known as Daniel's 70th week. And, you know, because it's not the rapture, most of us would all agree, it's not the rapture that starts the seven-year tribulation clock ticking. It's the confirmation of a false covenant Reference in Daniel 9:27 also details on that in Isaiah 28 verses 15 and 18. So we say, well, what is that gap? And you know, what could happen in that gap? Because it's something powerful is going to happen. Because hey, the rapture just happened, and if that gap is for any period of time, you would suspect big things are about to happen. Some miraculous event just happened with the rapture. Uh, it will become a time when the supernatural becomes the natural, and the paranormal is the new normal. There'll be Satan will no longer be restrained from unleashing supernatural deception, all signs and lying, you know, power and lying signs and wonders in Second Thessalonians chapter two. And and then he will also be revealing his Antichrist, the lawless one, we're told in Second Thessalonians two. You're gonna have you know, that happening, you've got seal judgments that are gonna to start to happen. Will they happen in that gap? Some of them. I believe some of them will. Some some other scholars would say no, they all happen in the tribulation. But nonetheless, they're all powerful events that are going to happen post-rapture. And the world will be changed. That will be, you know, I mean, supernatural deception. I mean, what will that be? Uh, and people who still believe, in, who will come to Christ after they've been left behind, and there will be many who do, will be martyred. We hear about the Harlow World Religion says that she'll be drunk with the blood of the saints, past tense, and the martyrs of Jesus' future. You know, after the rapture, that the heart of the world religion comes in the scene. We talked about that in Mystery Babylon, Revelation chapter 17. That's Revelation chapter 17, verse 6. talks about that martyrdom. Then there'll be martyrdom where people will be beheaded in Revelation chapter 20 for not taking the mark of the beast, the Antichrist. It's another leg of martyrdom after the rapture. So, you know, we're talking about really powerful events. And, and I try to caution church believers right now, since we haven't been raptured at the time of this show here, um, they say, well, why do I care? I won't be here for that. And then I say, well, do you know someone in your family, your neighborhood, your sphere of influence, your workplace who has not accepted Christ yet? Exactly. Left behind? And they all say, yeah. <laughs> I say, well, you know, and in many cases, it's a spouse or a child or a grandchild or something, you know, it hits home. And I say, well, then don't you care for them? And don't you want to evangelize to them now and let them know what they can avoid and be spared of? Because it gets really bad after the rapture. Let's talk for a moment about post-rapture reality. This is the notion that those not found in Christ will be left behind after the rapture. It's not a stretch 
to speculate that there will be a mix of people familiar with the gospel message that will submit their lives to Christ at that time. Uh, then there will be those that don't have any clue about the gospel, the claims of Jesus and what Bible prophecy predicted and came true would happen regarding the rapture. With this in mind, does the church have any obligation to leave the gospel behind to those who need to find Christ during the tribulation? Well, yes, I believe that's a, a calling into the ministry of reconciliation that we have as believers, not only to witness right now to people, but also to leave behind that same message, because salvation will still come through the same means, which is faith in Christ. And so, you know, we have, in my estimation, you know, there's no difference really, because the moment the rapture happens, people get left behind who need to hear the gospel, need to know that Jesus loves them, wants to save them. And as we just mentioned, a lot of those people are in our sphere of influence right now, in our families right now. So the whole connection from preaching the gospel now is for their benefit as well. Matter of fact, the next Prophecies book I've written, and I put it into a novel also called The Apocalypse Revelation, which talks about it's one thing to talk about biblical prophecies, but when they start to happen, when they roll off the parchments, how will they affect us now and those left behind next? And so, you know, this Apocalypse Revelation book covers that, and it's it's got new revelations since the Tim uh, Tim LaHaye best-selling book a couple de- decades ago called Left Behind. New revelations into the apocalypse have surfaced since that time. So I put them into this Apocalypse Revelations book. We need people to understand, you know, that... There's, there will be people who will have not made the decision for Christ yet, but will know the gospel. They will have heard about the rapture. When the rapture happens, they'll be left behind, and the rapture in itself will likely cause them to fall to their knees and accept Christ. Uh, but there will also be 144,000 Jewish witnesses, we find out in Revelation chapter 17, who are going to be you know, preaching the gospel. Uh, we also find out there will be two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11 who will be preaching the you know, the gospel as well will be centered in Jerusalem. And then there's also an everlasting, an, an angel that uh, does the gospel as well, and the everlasting gospel. So there will still be methods through which people will hear the gospel after the church is gone, but we can't discount, as you were saying in the question, the important role that we play right now in, in the books and the radio shows and the the preachings we do, the different men, media avenues we use to let people know about Jesus Christ and the gospel right now. Because it will be censored more after the rapture. You know, the, you can imagine the Antichrist will try to, and the Harlow World Religion will try to take control of the social media to yes. stop the preaching of the gospel. They'll, you know, just like when Hitler burned all the books, you know, back at the time of the Holocaust. So that's coming. So we need to do whatever we can right now to get these works available get these messages available now so that we're planting the seeds into these people as we speak. Well, that's such a good way to look at it. And we'll be right back with one more segment with our guest, Bill Saddle. So stick with us here on A View from the Wall.
Welcome back to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan Burroughs with Scott Townsend, and we've been enjoying part two with Bill Salas. And we were just discussing in the last segment this idea of what happens after the rapture and our responsibility. And Scott, I know you care about this area deeply. Talk a little bit about where we want to go in this segment as we discuss this question. Yes, Bill. For churches, ministries, and individuals that are just now potentially grasping the responsibility of those uh, things that we need to leave behind after the rapture, and you mentioned very wisely, I think, the seeds of faith there, what do you imagine is the best way for us to do that? Well, the best way is to encourage people to be in the Word of God uh, and to be a brain like we talked about, study it, get commentaries that are trustworthy, and to know what you're talking about and understand the times in which you live <clears throat> because topics will come up like, well, what do you think is going on with Iran or what do you think is going on with Syria? You know, you need to be able to say what the biblical narrative and the prophetic perspective is about those topics because it exists. You know, there's things written about Persia and the end times and Elam, et cetera, and Damascus <clears throat> and Israel especially and Jerusalem. And so, how do you think that informs our, you know, desire to leave those things behind? What do you what do you think about that? Again, it all it all plays together. The information we have right now that is outsourced from God's word being appropriately discerned benefits some of us now because some of these prophecies could happen even prior to the rapture. I'm not saying that they they must because rapture is a signless event. We could be taken out prior to anything further at this point. But also, some of these things will segue into events that will follow, that will affect lives dramatically at that point in time. And they're going to they're gonna be able to say, well, you know, I've read about that. Or someone had mentioned that at, at you know one of the churches I was attending and that sort of thing. I need to get my hands on that because that is making sense as to what is going on in my world right now. Because remember that what's going to happen is supernatural deception is going to deceive people. That's That's the intent of it. And to accept Christ will be hard on two accounts. One is it'll probably cost you your life because there's a lot of martyrdom going on subsequent to the rapture of the church. And there's a lot of it going on right now, by the way, but we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. But also it will not be a popular choice. There'll be another alternative out there that's going to shatter the biblical narrative. You know, So for instance, let's just assume some people believe it's going to be some sort of an ET scenario that, you know, hey, some extraterrestrial, higher intelligent beings are going to come to the earth and say, hey, we seeded you, and there's other life in the universe. How myopic of you to think that the biblical narrative was true? Well, you know, if those kind of individuals come that are hyperdimensional and they're merely just fallen angels disguised as extraterrestrials or whatever, mm -hmm. that's going to shoot the biblical narrative out the window. And people are going to go, well, why would I believe in, you know, what my grandma told me, you know, when this makes more sense? And why would I want to die just because, you know, I believe in Jesus. So we have to let people know you're based in the Word of God. You've got to understand the biblical prophecies that were laid out, not just for us and this generation to know, but for the people who get left behind. Because that's going to equip them and prepare them for the days in which they live. And that stuff is all in play right now. You know, the technologies are there. There's an example of, you know, it talks about in the book of Revelation chapter 11, that there's going to be two witnesses about Jesus Christ who die in the streets of Jerusalem, killed at the hand, hands of the Antichrist. And their message was so unpopular, it says the world will be rejoicing and giving gifts. But then in three days they rise from the dead and ascend into heaven. And it says when they're laying dead on the streets, the whole world will see them. 
And people would say 100 years ago, that means the Bible can't be correct. How could the whole, whole world see two dead witnesses in Jerusalem? But you know what? Right now, everybody's got their iPhones. Everybody's going to be seeing these guys, and they're going to be rejoicing. See, now, if you don't know that that was a prediction, and you're sitting there watching this stuff, you're going to be caught up and swept in the, in the what's going on. And, and someone's going to come on and say, wait a minute, look what this says here, Revelation chapter 11. These guys were preaching the true gospel. And watch, they're going to get up and rise from the dead. What's that going to do to your thinking? And then when they see that, they're going to, oh, my God. You know, that's in the Bible. What else is in the Bible? See, this is this is the roadmap we have. And Bible, the acronym B-I-B-L-E, is Basic Instructions Before Leaving the Earth. And it is God's message to us, written in love and for us. And so uh, it's really important that these churches understand that it's one thing to tell the gospel. It's another thing to also be talking about eschatology. Mm-hmm. Eschatology is a Greek word for uh, eschatos, the last or final, and theology, the study of. The study of the last and final days, the final generation. Uh, this is information that should be shared on the pulpits right now. The yes. evangelical message of the gospel as well as the eschatological message. This is great information. I do want to jump in here, and we only have a couple minutes left, but I want our listeners to hear from you where they can go to find out some more about your ministry, where they could perhaps see you at an upcoming speaking engagement, or some of your media resources. Let us know a little bit more about how we can connect with you in the future. Great. Thank you for that. Well, my website is prophecydepot.com, like Home Depot, prophecydepot.com, and got articles, TV shows, uh, world, you know, upcoming events and products available. It's all available there. A lot of the products, of course, are on Amazon as well. But, um, you know, we've got resources talking about the things that could happen now, could happen in the future. We've written them in not only fiction books and provided with teaching DVDs, but also and, and nonfiction, primarily nonfiction. But I have written a fiction work called the Apocalypse Revelations, talking about what could happen now and what could happen next. But I would invite them to go there to prophecydepot.com. Bill, it's as you know, it's been a tradition of ours to ask our guests to speak into the Watchmen community globally. What would you like Watchmen to hear in order to encourage them to continue serving in these difficult times today? Absolutely. And, you know, I know you reach out to a lot of different countries. You've got uh, reaching out for an international audience. And I would remind people that don't get caught up in the thinking that the American church is the overall body of Christ. God is very busy right now throughout other parts of the world. Amen to that, um, too. He is doing supernatural evangelism in places where missionaries can scarcely get into and really don't even want to go, like Iran. There's dreams, visions, miracles, and healings, and personal encounters that are going on there. It's the fastest-growing evangelical population in the world. People are uh, upset with Islam. They're disenchanted with Islam. They're converting to Christianity, and God is doing that. He, and that's a sign that we're so deep into the end times that God is accomplishing the will of his heart by taking matters into his own hands as well, supernaturally. But we have a role in that, too. We can watch those things. We can observe those things. You can look at these things on YouTube, on the Internet, et cetera, while, while they're available. And you can say, hey, this is connected in the Bible, these types of things in you know, Iran, and, and it's also going on in other places. Uh, you see things going on, revivals going on in China, even in India and places like that. So God is busy throughout the world. And we should be watching these types of things and always diverting people's attention back to what the prophecy said, what the Bible said would be going on in these last days, and how it's manifesting and playing itself out worldwide. 
Well, it's such an honor to have you here with us, Bill, on A View from the Wall. And again, thank you for listening to today's program and encourage you to check out IamAWatchman.com for more information about our ministry and subscribe to our email for the latest posts and free resources. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube and our podcast on SoundCloud. Links to all of our resources from Bill are in the description below where you enjoy this podcast. And so thanks again for joining us and join us next time on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip Watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.